With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, King Supers Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the King Supers app and start your cart, whatever the cart. King Supers, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at kingsupers.com boost. Back on Brew of a Blue. It's Friday. Hope everybody's looking forward to the weekend. We've got another fantastic guest today. Uh, Evertonian, Professor of Management Studies, expert in football, business, and finance, and of course, the co author of Carlo Angelotti's Quiet Leadership book. It's Professor Chris Brady. Chris, thanks very much for coming on. No, you're very welcome, Matt. Very welcome. And we were just talking there before we hit record, and you were saying, uh, Zoom's getting a bit, <laughs> getting a bit tired. So you've been doing a lot of meetings remotely. Um, it's, so it's getting to that point now, isn't it? We're 10, 12 weeks in, we're all feeling the, the pinch a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, op- it's opened up something really interesting and we know we can use it. And I think we'll use, you know, when it all calms down, we'll use it slightly more sensibly, I, I'm assuming, in the future. Um, but um, at, at, the, at, the mo- at the moment, it's like one meeting after another, you know. So I think people have got, not got much else to do. So they sort of say, well, who can I phone up? Who can I get in touch with? So it's probably why you're talking to me, Matt. Well, we've already, we already spoke earlier in the year. I said this to uh, Mick Rathbone yesterday, the, obviously Everton former Everton physio, and he said, oh, you know, it must be scraping the barrel coming to me. But, you know, I've, I've been speaking to you guys for a while. You know, it's, it's definitely not the case. But no, it's, of, of course, it's a pleasure to have you on. And just, uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy, happy to be on the same level as the physio. <laughs> uh, but we started off by asking all, I guess, um, how are you doing? How have you, you been coping with, with the lockdown? Are you, are you safe and well? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fine for me. I mean, I feel, to be honest, I feel a bit guilty. You know, um, we, we live in Bournemouth now, and probably if you were going to choose somewhere to be locked down, um, you know, there's a golf course right behind where we live. Or there's pl- plenty of places to walk, and you know, but stay isolated. And uh, and the weather's been the weather's been fine. I mean, obviously, I stay. I mean, I. I 
I used to walk down on the beach, which used to be empty, but uh, for some bizarre reason, throughout the lockdown, it's been full. So I've been nowhere near the beach, but we've got, you know, we've got woods and places near us. So, so it, has, it hasn't been too bad. So as I say, I feel a little bit guilty when I know what other people are going through. I was trying to think, you know, if I go back to when I was like 20, you know, young, a young man and two young kids when I was only in my tw early 20s and as living in one bedroom, I, God knows how I would have managed, you know, but, but uh, you know, so I, I finally found something that age has an advantage. <laughs> I think it's it's when you see you see other stuff going on in Spain and Italy and you think how, how hot it is there and those little flats and you know, they live in where you, you imagine how hot it would be and how cramped it would be and they weren't allowed outside for about three or four weeks, were they either? I know, yeah. I know. It's, I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine. I've got some friends living up, up in that area, actually, mm. some really good friends and, they, and they, they have a nice big house but not a great garden uh, but even they were going stir crazy, to be honest. Yeah, it uh, must have been tough for them. Uh, but we're here to talk about Everton and um, football and a little bit about Carlo Angelotti as well. So we'll, we'll come on to talk about Everton. And I must admit, Chris, the first time we spoke, I did a lot of research about yourself, a lot of research about the book you've done with Carlo. But I didn't know that you were a blue yourself until you revealed it at the start of our, our, our conversation. Um, so just to start off with, what, what are your memories of Everton growing up? And is there any teams in particular or plays in particular that stand out for you? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, obviously, I'm <clears throat> obviously I'm, I'm not from Liverpool. I'm I'm a Londoner, but my par my parents are both from Bootle, hmm. and so all of our, all of our family, all the Brady, you know, obviously Brady, all the Brady family are in Bootle, and uh, and all all Evertonians. And uh, I, I always tell the story of my my, my grand my grandma. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but my grandma. Um, she she um, she wouldn't have anything red in the house at all. Nothing. Uh, not, <laughs> she would she wouldn't even allow tomatoes in the house. Except the only thing that was red in the house was the toilet seat. <laughs> and that's you know. And so I was so I used to get you know when when my mum and dad used to work in the catering industry down here. And so um, during the summer, often I'd get packed off to to my grandma and my auntie in Liverpool just to stay up there so I'd have sort of three or four weeks up in sort of being a being an adopted scouser up there and um and my uncle I mean he used to follow the football I mean people nowadays people just won't remember this but he used to follow the football through my uncle my uncle John worked on the um on the Liverpool Echo okay and you know doing the old printing presses and everything and when they print off the pink really you know late on a sat or you know on a saturday or i think it was a pink it might have been a green whatever uh, color it was pink. yeah it was a pink it was a pink yeah, yeah. Um, they used to um he used to wrap one up and put it in the post and it had arrived first thing monday morning and that's how i followed football because there was nothing on tv or anything so i followed it through the newspapers that my uncle would send down my uncle john would send down so uh, that in those days, that's how you followed the game if you couldn't go to the game. And of course, I used to go up during the holidays, during summer mostly, so I couldn't watch a game. Uh, so, so um, you know, the, the first, the first, the first game, the first game I saw, I think, um, actually live at Goodison probably was in the. Um, I'm thinking it was. I'm thinking it. Thinking back, it was probably it was in '66. It was the game. It was the game after, for all the Evertonians who are listening, they'll know this, but it was the game after Alex Young had been dropped 
when they went away to Blackpool. Okay. You know the story, your story when they, they go away to Blackpool, uh, Harry Catrick drops, yeah. um, drops young, uh, plays Joe Royal as a 16-year-old. You know, there's the trouble with the fans after the game. And anyway, so he brings him back for the next game. For the next game, I think it, I think it was against Sunderland. I can't, I can't remember exactly. But you know, so I was about 17 at the time, and um, and 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 he and he came back for that next game. And I don't know if it's you know sort of memory playing tricks or anything, but I remember it being a really sunny day, and and I remember. Uh, there was a moment when they were all kicking in. In those days, they didn't have all these, you know, special routines. Yeah. They just yeah. sort of whacked in the goal and had a wander around and keep. And, and and a ball came out of the penalty area up towards the halfway line somewhere, and Alex Young broke away from the others to go and get the ball. And so of course he gets the ball around about the halfway line, and of course the crowd just goes mad because because they can see him. He's on his own. Sun's out, his hair's all golden, and you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm making all this up to be honest. It's <laughs> exactly how I remember. And then he basically juggles the ball all the way back to the penalty area, you know, to keep it up here all the way back to the penalty area while the crowd's going mad. And, and, I'm, and it's, it's a really sort of emotional thing. And you're thinking, they're going mad here, we haven't even started yet, you know, game's not even started yet. And but B, B was back and he scored. In the game, you know, and so, you know, so, but he, but going back to the newspapers thing, so, you know, my, my first hero was, was Davy Hickson. Yeah. You know, and so the problem was, you know, when I was playing, you know, so I played pretty good level at sort of uh, non-league, you know, sort of national league level. So I was, I was an okay player and I was a striker, but I was like, I was like 10 stone 10 or something <laughs> and want, and then wanted to be Davy Hickson. I should have <laughs> wanted to be Alex Young. Yeah. It might have been okay. I wanted to be Davy Hickson. So basically I just kept getting kicked and battered and everything because I was so, so lightweight. And, uh, but I just wanted to be Davy Hickson. So I wanted to be in there getting hurt basically. I, I have no idea why. No, oh, the, the great the great memories, and I think it's when we've spoken, we've had like Everton historians, and we've had people like Gavin Buckland on, who's, who wrote a book recently about about that time in Everton's history. I think it's I think it's quite it still feels a little bit unexplored in regards to you know the stuff like Harry Catterick, like you mentioned there, coming in and you know eventually going. You've got Alan Ball coming into the side. You've got the you know development of the Holy Trinity. You've, you've got Joe Royal in there as well. It, it feels as though there's still a lot more to, to write and, and cover and say about that time in Everton's history. Yeah, I think it's like one of those things where you've—it's um, like you, you, your dad dies, and and you think, oh, I should have asked about this, I should have asked about that. Mm. I know Colin Harvey's really smart to talk about yeah. about those times because I've been on a couple of coaching courses where Colin's been there, and um, and you know, and, and funny enough, I'm, I was on another coaching course where um, you used to have, to have to update your coaching qualifications, and uh, Martin Dobson was on. Okay. Who, who reminded me that you know he was the most expensive player in, in ever signed when he signed at the time, and um, and it was just great to be around him and listen to the stories. And it's the same you know with Colin, you know, sort of seen down and, and and on one of the courses, Howard Kendall was there as well. And so you sort of list, listening to all the stories and obviously you know watching Howard's way, you know, sort of 
you, you look at it and go, oh yeah, I, rem I remember those things. And, and so, I mean, you know, it's, it's just a function of being older, Matt. It's just, you know, you, you, you're actually there, you know. And, all, and of course, in 66, after that, you know, they did went on to the run yeah. and got to the cup final. And I, I've got to be honest, at every single, at every single round, we, we had like three replays or two replays. It was, you know, there was no way we were going to get to the final. And then when we got to the final, you like two nil down in about twenty minutes or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and 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 again, you, you you have sort of conversations. You go back, and the entire family basically came down to stay with us in a two-bedroom council house. About fifteen people in there for two nights, you know, just just just, just to get to where we with all blue flags and and scarves and hanging out the windows and everything, and all the neighbours are like, "What the hell is this?" You know, <laughs> right, you know, right in the mid, right in the middle of West Ham territory. What's going on here? Yeah. Like, so so um, yeah, they were they 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 were, they were good times, and because you had sixty three before that, which was a really really good period as well for for, for Everton. Um, and you, you know, you had those, you had those times in that that little period when you know people don't realise how successful Harry Catrick was. Yeah. And how you know, I mean, <clears throat> apparently, I mean, I, don't, I never met him, but apparently, not the easiest guy in the world to get on with. So, so, so <laughs> I'm told by all the players. But I mean, the sides that he put together there, and you know, and then you had, and then you had the, the Tony K stuff as well, which was. Which was uh, I, again, you know, people may not remember, but you know, Everton got to the European European uh, Cup and uh, were knocked out, you know, really, um, really controversially by Inter Milan. Actually, no, that was I was at then one of those games, so that must yeah. have been before '66, yeah. mustn't it? That must have been '64. Yeah. yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was at one of those games. I was at the game. <laughs> I can, I can remember, I can remember, I can remember, I can remember um, Tony K. Um, at, no, not Tony Coe. He was. I think it might be, might be Jimmy Gabriel. I, yeah. I can remember. Anyway, one of them, the guy that was the superstar at Inter Milan, was a guy called uh, Luis Suarez. who was the Inter, Inter Milan superstar at the time, and I, I think, and we had a we had a Roy Vernon goal disallowed. I think for um, for offside or something. Of course, of no VAR or anything yeah. like that in those days. You know, so so we all we all. We all assumed he was never offside in a million years, you know, and um, and then and then Suarez started getting a bit nasty, and he was he was making out he was injured, laying laying pretty much in front of me where I was in the stand, and uh, I think it was Jimmy Gabriel just came by, just stood on his hand, <laughs> told, him, told, told him to told him to get up, you know, <laughs> you, you sort of thinking well, uh, you know, these sort of things these sort of things don't happen nowadays. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you said there you went on to you play yourself. Obviously, you took an interest in, in football, business, and finance as well. Did you still manage to get to, to the odd game every now and then? Or yeah, did... yeah, I, I get to most of the games, most yeah. of the games in, in London, and most of the game. You know, obviously now Bournemouth in the Premier League as well. Yeah. When 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 the blue and and uh, and Robert Elstone used to be a good friend of mine. So um, he, when he he'd sort of come down and have his pre-match meal with us before 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 the Bournemouth game. So. I get to, you know, and, you know, I've got friends, I've got loads of friends in London who support the London clubs and they'll always get me a ticket 
for for um, for the London games. Don't get don't get up to Goodison that that much. But um, now Carlo, I mean, we, the problem is once Carlo arrived, we sort of kept saying, yeah, I've got to come up for a game. And every time there was something was cancelled or whatever. Or but I saw all the games, you know, you know when they were at Arsenal, when they were at West Ham. Yeah. You know, Actually, I wish I hadn't, to be honest, between you and me, but that's a, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, the West, the West Ham one in particular was especially forgettable. Uh, yeah, that, oh, oh, that was, oh, it wasn't as bad as the Chelsea one. Oh, yeah, yeah we won't even go oh, that, that, that was horrendous. That was horrendous. Well, we're supposed to be, I was supposed to be having dinner with Carlo that night, um, oh. the four of us, and we decided maybe it was, wasn't such a great idea. Oh, no, that's, that's devastating. I bet you would have had a great night if we won as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew it was going to be tight. And it's not, you know, if you know Carlo, he, he doesn't he doesn't get too bent out of shape by losing. Mm. But I knew that that performance would have he would have been fuming, absolutely fuming. Not you know, not the result was he, he wouldn't have cared if they'd have lost ten nil, but they had a different. If it would have felt different. I think he. I've never never even spoken about it. Never, never even had a conversation about it. No, knowing, I, him, knowing him like you do, what what do you think it would have been about that that would have? I I, uh, I, I don't know. It's just it, being it, back in his old club and you know sort of seeing that you know what happened on the pitch. It would have been the, the effort of the it, No, it was just. A, it, I don't think it was anything to do with being at Stamford Bridge. I mean that 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 wouldn't have that wouldn't have worried him. He, what would have worried him would, I think, um, and as I say, we've never spoken about it. But was the was the performance? I mean, if you remember the little kid who played, the little debutant kid oh, who played, said, yeah, he played, and he and he ran, he ran Davis ragged, and and it really looked like. It, 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 obviously, you can never say that players are not trying, but it really looked like they were. They, there was a, their heads were down, the shoulders were down. It just didn't look, it just didn't feel right and look good. And I and and I know Carlo's very, you know, I mean, he's a, you know, you don't get to where he is without being a really fierce competitor. I mean, he, he comes over as very laid back, but in terms of, he's a competitor. He's a real, real competitor, and um, and that there was that lack of competition, if you like. That would have, I think, it would have driven him up the wall. You know, because I was chatting to to Mrs. Angelotti after the game, mm. before you know, when we said it's probably probably best that we all move on, mm. and uh, and I, I said, you, you know, you get him out, get him out quick, because <coughs> <laughs> he's not going to be in a good mood. Yeah, I, you know, and I've I've never, as I say, I've never spoken with. I don't know, but I uh, I wouldn't. I don't know what it would have been like in the dressing room after that after that game. Do you feel as though that's something that Evertonians are going to have to get used to about him in particular? Because while you said there, he's a fierce competitor. When he speaks to the media in general and you know does his press conferences, he comes across very laid back, very affable. And I think there was one moment after the Newcastle game earlier this year where it was 2-2. And obviously Everton conceded two goals to stop his time to throw the game away. And he came out afterwards and said, well, you know, I've... I've lost the Champions League fan after being 3 0 up. You know, these, these things sort of happen. And, you know, forgive the pun, but there are a few eyebrows raised about that sort of thing. But it feels to me a little bit as though that's that sort of attitude of these things happen. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's probably what, whatever to need. Because I think as, as a fan base, we can get too high sometimes and can get a bit too low. 
and that ground impressions can be helpful. As you say, though, I think you're right, Matt. You just have to get used to him. But you, you know, but he, he, he would have been he he would have been going berserk about that. You know, to, yeah. to do that. I mean, the interesting thing is when we were writing the book. You know, obviously the the Liverpool game throwing that it was interesting because the conversation. If I said that, you know, how did it play out? You know, how, how you know, what, what were you thinking in terms of changing things and that? And I think what was really interesting about that is to, to listen to it close up and you sort of you go back. He said that, um, you know, f- except for eight minutes, he said that was the best performance of any team he'd ever coached mm. for like an hour. You know, they were three nil up, they were they were coasting. So the mental side of it, he was saying that. When when they scored, when Liverpool scored the first goal, um, the the attitude on the bench was very much like we're so much in charge here. Okay, we'll we'll win it five one instead of instead of three one. That's fine. And he said, and then then they scored the second goal. We thought, hang on, we're going to have to shut up shop here. But before he could get the guy on, the third goal had gone in. Mm. And so you know it was just timing and things. And and he can sort of live with that, you know. Whereas I'd be going, I find I've only done that 10 seconds earlier, or if I'd have done this, or if I'd have done that. But he can, you know, he's been in the game so long. Like, so, so like that's sort of too that. ridiculous, isn't it, to even consider happening? Yeah, 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 you know. And, and, and so, and then if you remember the game after that, I mean, they murdered Liverpool for the next 20 minutes. They murdered them throughout extra time. I mean, basically, Liverpool played for eight minutes. Yeah. And, and and Milan played for hundred minutes, and the and and they, their performance on that night was fantastic. I mean, if you remember, half time three nil. I mean, it could have been five six nil then. Yeah. Uh, and you know Liverpool were that, but well, Milan were that good, and Liverpool were you know it was it was like that, wasn't it? it was, one side was that good, and the other side were that bad, but the gap was enormous. So the idea, you know, I mean, you could have got a million to one. You could have got a million to one. If yeah. I'd have said, if I'd have said I want a pound on this, you'd have given me any odds that you wanted because there's no no way this is going to happen. Yeah, still painful, yeah. still painful to yeah, think. I know, I, you know, <laughs> I know, but, yeah. but, but um, but just one, it was interesting to get your thoughts on how. I mean, have, have you spoken to him during the lockdown at all, Carlo? No, no um, spoken. I've spoken to uh, to to uh, to his wife, who, who I know from from years back and uh she's she's friends with my wife and spoken to her and and, and he's he's losing weight she tells me she oh, really? so so we're having a, we're having a bit of a con we're having a bit of a contest i think he i think he's i think he's down to about um i think he's down to about 80 kilos now and he, wow. was, he was eight he was 85, I think, or something, or something like that. I can't but she says he's in good. She says he's in good shape. And I thought, you know, that that video he did for the fan. I thought he he, yeah. he looked like he looked he looked trim there, you know, because he does like his grub, Carlo. To be honest. Yeah. Well, I was going to say maybe it's because he's not been able to go out and, and sample some of the Italian restaurants in town. Yeah, I, I know. Actually, I, I'm I'm in better shape now. But, you know, when you were talking earlier on how do you yeah. feel at the moment, it's like when you're working, you grabbing sandwiches and bread and stuff like that, and you know you not working out you know where i can work out for an hour or so every day i haven't missed a day since we've been in this whereas normally you're oh christ if i get trained or somewhere and you don't realize you don't realize how much time you spend traveling yeah you yeah. know you know when you could be doing something we could be doing you know could be going for a walk or having a run or or whatever so um, 
So I expect the next time you see him, next time you see him, he'll look trim. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It'll be interesting, that. And I suppose it's one of the one of the things I wanted to ask you is how how do you think he'll he'll cope with with this going back? Because when so I was in when the players go back and, and he has to go back, which is all he sort of started. Because you know we were speaking on one of our shows this week, and I sort of made the point that this is a fellow who's seen everything and done everything in the game. But he's never dealt with anything like this before or seen anything like this before. But I remember when we spoke last time and you said he's a very versatile man in regards to his leadership and, and how he approaches things. And hopefully, from our point of view, you'll take that into this next phase of the season. I mean, do you anticipate he'll, he'll just be sort of, you can brush it off his shoulders and just crack on as he has done in the past? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he'd have thought about it really seriously and, and, uh, and, and got some really detailed plans in place. And he, he, I, I think I think they've got a really difficult run in. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, you know, obviously we didn't want this, but I think it came at a good time for Everton because I think they were just about to go into a run in. They'd had, they'd had that, that Everton result. Um, they'd, um, they'd had the Arsenal, you know, they'd had, they'd had, they'd had, they got the draw at United, didn't they? But then they'd had, then they'd had Arsenal, uh, they'd had the West Ham thing was horrible, but Arsenal and then Chelsea, and they were just about to go into a run, you know, with some difficult sides, you know, you know, the Derby, because um, I think the Derby, wasn't the Derby the first game that was cancelled, I think? Or, yeah, it I, was. I, yeah. I was definitely going up for that, I remember. Yeah. And, um, and so, and and then they've got you know clubs in and around them. You know they could easily they could easily sort of finish. They could easily finish fifteenth, sixteenth, or, or seventh or eighth. Yeah. You know, and, and you wouldn't you wouldn't rule either out at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see how clubs come back and how they how they handle empty stadiums and that sort of stuff. But um, you know because. We know the home advantage. We, I don't think any of us understand why home advantage works, <laughs> but it, but it does. I mean, there's enough stats out there to tell you that it does, and places like Goodison are particularly um, valuable. So I don't know how that's going, whether that's going to count in their favour or out of their favour. But I mean, uh, when we when we were discussing him coming to Everton, because it was one of those interesting things, which sort of you know, Everton. Have, Come in for me. What do you think? And I said, you know, well, obviously, I'd, I'd love you, Everton. You know? Did he reach out to you? Did he before he took the job and sort of? Yeah, yeah. We spoke yeah. about. We spoke about it. We spoke about it a lot because it was difficult times at Napoli as well. And we yeah. we don't we'd only just been over and spent some time over there with them. So it, it was difficult times there. So we were just chatting about it. And of course, he they they knew that you know I had family in Liverpool and all that sort of stuff. So. You know what's this? You know what's um, what's Everton like? You know, and I was telling them about the history and all that sort of stuff, and um, and uh, and I said, you know, you, you know, they, because he was worried because they when it was all happening, they were in the bottom three. Mm. So he's sort of well, what about my reputation? You know, am I going to take them down? And I'm saying, well, no, you're not going to take them down. They're not. They're actually not that that bad. They're yeah. bad. They're bad, but they're not that. They're not that bad, and uh, and and uh, I wasn't. I wasn't a great. Um, I, I wasn't a you know a great um, fan as previous management. Uh, I th- think things had drifted a little bit and got got less competitive. Going back to what I was saying, and I was saying you know, and you'll you'll come in. There'll be in a bit of an uplift, and that'll get you that'll get you out of danger, and you should be able to stay out of danger for the for the rest of the season. So, really, because if you remember, they they came in just before Christmas, 
and you're thinking well should is it worth is it worth buying anybody and it's not really not really let's start thinking about let's start thinking about um summer window and thinking about you know really ramping up then basically save your money i mean obviously that's nothing none of that's none of that i was just thinking that but that's none none of that's obviously we don't have those sort of conversations because they're yeah you know they're they're private obviously and um but i'm I'm thinking well why waste any money now you know you're going to stay up anyway you know just with with a decent coach and a decent you know uplift and you know you we had a bit of a sniff with um with um duncan yeah of course yeah things you know so you could see if they if they want to play they're they're okay and you know and and i'm i'm quite quite a big well i'm a big I'm a big fan of what Calvin Lewin could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, so, and I think Carlo's probably somebody who could, could probably get the best out of him, you know, as long as he, as long as he keeps focused and, uh, you know, you know, my hero is David Hickson and you can, there's a line in there, there's a number nine line. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you've got the number nine, it's, there's the responsibility here, son, you know, so, you know, so, I was quite confident that they'd stay up, um, but next season's going to be going to be a big season, you know, because people would be saying, "Well, you know, we're paying a lot of money for a big manager here, and is he is he doing it?" I think the other thing that's really important for people to understand is that one of the criticisms of hiring somebody like Carlo was that, well, he's a tur- he's not a turnaround guy. He's more of a an uplifting guy. You know, he gets a great team and he takes them to the next level. But he he really enjoyed the work he was doing with PSG when he went to PSG. Which had, you know, when people if you talk to people about Carlo and say to you know the average fan and say to him what about the time he was at PSG most of them will go was he was it PSG oh I knew he was at Real Madrid I knew but his time at PSG he went there you know they didn't even have a proper training ground they didn't have a restaurant they didn't have anything and he he sort of built it pulled big big names in like Ibra and people like that he brought those in you know and Thiago sorry Cavani come in under him as well, I think. Got him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got so he, you know he got and he, and he got it going and he was and some something happened there. You know, people fell out. I don't know what happened, but he really wanted to to, to spend some time there. So I think he wants to spend some time at Everton, um, you know, to build things. But I'm not sure if it, if things go badly next season. I'm not sure he will get the chance. You know, because it's that sort of business, isn't it? Cutthroat nature, absolutely. Yeah. Just a couple more things. Um, how weird is it for you, as someone who's spent a lot of time in Bootle, to see Carlo speaking about Bootle New Strand? <laughs> I know, I, I, I know, I know. I, I can remember we were having a conversation. He said we were having a conversation before, and he was talking about Liverpool. He goes, "West, well, it's, it's sort of it's same as London, isn't it?" And I'm like, "Whoa, stop, <laughs> stop! No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. You know, you, it, it, I can remember." Taking my kid to his first. Actually, if you want a history thing, the, my son, you know the, the the day when you know your dad doesn't know everything. Okay. So I took my son to to a derby game, and it was it's the game where Glenn Keeley, Glenn Keeley um, played. Yeah. So so we go we go one nil down. You know, I think I think Rush might have scored four goals that day. I think we got beat five nil. I think. We go one. We go one nil down. My son was about. My son must have been eleven or something like. We go one nil down. And Keely gets sent off, 
And my son says, what, what, what's going on? And it was his first game he's ever been to Goodison. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and, and I said, and I said, I said to him, don't worry, don't worry, son, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. <laughs> At which point another four goals go in. And <laughs> that, was the, that, that was the moment when my son decided his dad didn't know everything. <laughs> you know, that, that moment in your life when you realise yeah. your dad's just human. Yeah. I think that was that was my moment. Oh wow! But yeah, it, 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 just 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 on that with the, he seems to really embrace Liverpool and embrace the yeah, league. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you, if you look at him and feel as though, and maybe this is me just being ultra cynical here, but I don't know if you look at him and think that him doing this and saying this and you know all that sort of thing, it's just a style of leadership. It's him engendering himself to the fan base, to the football club. And everyone's sort of saying, look, look at this fella who everyone said is just coming here for a payday. He's really loving it. He's loving the area. He's loving the football club. Is there, is there a part of that that's manufactured, do you think? Or do you think it's all very... No, sincere? no. I think he... Um, I think if I, if I didn't know him, if I was looking from outside, I might, I might be a bit cynical about it. But I know him. And I know, I know that's not the case. I know that... Um, because he, he could have just... I mean, he thought long and hard about it. I know that for a fact, you know. So... If he'd have just been there for the money, it would have gone, right, OK, I can't get this, I can't get that, you know, that's fine, they, they, they better pay me a load of money, so I'll get the sack in two years, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, that it could have been a situation. But I know that's not the case, and, and I know that when he, I think he was still worried, I think, when he got there, because he didn't really sort of know, you know, and within a very short time, you could tell, you could tell that he, he was into it, he, he, he was in, he was into it. Because the one thing you have to remember about him, he is—he is really a football person. I mean, he—he he, he loves the game, so he always wants to be involved in the game. Mm. And so, if somebody gives him that opportunity, he's very grateful. You know, I mean, it sounds stupid to us, doesn't it? You know, you're this great manager; you can pick it where you go. But he's very—he's very humble like that. He's like, well, you know, they've given me this opportunity to stay in football. Yeah. So you know, um, and he and he, he seems to like it where 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 he's living around the area he's living as well, and um, you know, and it, it's close enough to London to get to get down <laughs> get down to get down to where the grown ups live. So he's all right. You know that yourself. You know that yourself, of course. Yeah. Um, just just one final thing I wanted to ask you about before I let you go, Chris. I know I've kept you longer than I said. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, obviously, you you've got so much expertise in football business and finance. Um, we, and you've spoken in the past about um, Everton Stadium and the project at Bramley Moor. From, from your experience and, and what you know about these sorts of these sorts of projects, have you got any fears that this might be, you know, slowed down or eventually not go ahead based on the current climate and the current pandemic? Or do you feel as though Everton have got the, the ducks in a row here? Uh, I think both of those things, Mac. I think that I think they've got all their ducks in a row, but I think there are. I don't mean the pandemic, pandemic necessarily, which kind of helped, but these these projects have so many obstacles to overcome. And so, have I got any fears? Yes, yeah, yeah definitely, def, definitely. Um, they're probably all unfounded. And if, if, if you know, if somebody said, "Here's the here's, here's the situation, here are the books and everything," and I had a really close look at it, I might be fine. But um, just one second, Matt. No problem. Sorry, man. Um, uh, it, it, it's just it, it's just because it hasn't happened yet, and it's been so long, and and um, you know there's all the other the, all the other options before you know you know a joint stadium and all that sort of stuff, which 
which I know everybody in Liverpool thinks is anathema, but from a business point of view, it would have been a great, great bit of business. Uh, so all of those things have been happening for you know ten years or so, you know. So, and I, I you know, until some until somebody actually puts a shovel in the ground and starts working there, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, you, to use your word, I'm fearful. Yeah, yeah. I think I think as Evertonians, we are conditioned to be apprehensive about these things. <laughs> it's, anyway, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a state. It's a state. It's a state of mind. I think. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, do stay safe. Uh, pass on our best wishes to Carlo when you do speak. And hopefully, you can have that dinner with him soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. Well, we will do eventually. Eventually. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to start a watch brand that broke all the rules. With clean, innovative designs, unexpected colors, and unbeatable value, Movement became the fastest-growing watch brand in the world. Every bold, modern design is dreamed up at Movement's California headquarters. And now, everything is on sale for their ninth birthday celebration. You can save big with 25% discounts on watches, jewelry, sunnies, blue light eyewear, and more lifestyle essentials. And for the first time this year, Movement's best-selling, innovatively-made ceramic watches are on sale, too. Elevate your own look or give someone an amazing gift that won't break the bank, but looks like it did. There's never been a better time to join the movement. Get the best prices of the year with Movement's site-wide 25% off anniversary sale and enjoy free shipping, free returns, and a two-year guarantee on everything they make. Just go to MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.